Good afternoon. Hi, it's Charlie, and this is the podcast to hell and back. I think this is podcast number 38, and it's December 19th, uh, 2018 still. And um, um, I'm in Massachusetts, as usual, at 4 o'clock, and, uh, and I have a guest today, John Modder, that I'm going to introduce in a few minutes, and he's in North Carolina. So we've got the East Coast covered. Um, and I just want to tell those of you who listen to these uh, uh, fairly regularly that the next one won't be until January 2nd. It's two weeks away, and at which point I'll be doing the last podcast on emotion regulation skills, and a large chunk of that's going to be devoted to the, the practice of being mindful of emotions and what that does for us. So, all right, I'm done with that. And any of you who've seen any announcements about the podcast for today, it's really about um, dealing with uh, negative feelings um, and experiences during the holiday season. And by that, I, you know, I could most broadly say, I mean, like from Thanksgiving until uh, new, the New Year, um, with holidays of uh, of Hanukkah and uh, Kwanzaa and Christmas, very dominated by Christmas in many ways, um, and just that whole se- end of the year season. So, so let me just make a few introductory comments, and uh, because then we're going to get into something that. Um, that John is going to uh, talk with us about related to these uh, holiday um, feelings. Um, so let me say this. I thought about how to start. You know, I thought about what is it that could be so negative about the holidays? I mean, how could that be so? Um, after all, it's a time of year when we um, move through the winter solstice and we sort of are, are gradually going to be coming out of the darkness and into the light, so to speak. And it's a time of year when um, Jews and, uh, you know, three-quarters of my little family are Jewish. I'm the only quarter that isn't. Um, And we do celebrate Hanukkah. And uh, it's a time when Jews commemorate a struggle against uh, oppression and against all odds and lead to a miraculous victory. And and again, where light overcomes darkness. and it's a time of year when Africans and African Americans, beginning when it was designated in the mid to late 60s, um, could celebrate with Kwanzaa, um, which is technically related to the uh, harvesting of fruits in Africa, but more importantly, um, honor seven principles of how you of, of maintaining uh, one's uh, African heritage and culture in the diaspora from Africa, as well as in Africa itself, of build, that really uh, celebrates the building of community and the maintenance of community and honoring one's ancestors and families and, and maintaining faith. I mean, all these good things also. And, and, and when it comes to Christmas, of course, it's a time when Christians go over the story of the birth of Christ when hope um, and, and again, uh, light uh, and a star and the birth of a Messiah could come about against the odds of, uh, of poverty and uh, no, no place at the inn to have a baby and out of despair and, uh, and against conflict. And, um, and, so, and, and yet that, that there could be this birth that has been sort of a birth of hope and uh, 
love. And how could all of these things be a time of year when misery and suffering um, and sadness and regret and loneliness are magnified for many people? Not everybody, but many people. And yet I think we all know about it one way or another, either in ourselves or people that we're close to. You know, because um, I'll just name a few ways that I that strike me and that I personally know about one way or another. It, it can be a time of end-of-the-year reckoning if you've had a, a rough year when failures and disappointments and losses weigh heavily. You know, getting through the year itself can be such a, tra- such a travail. And it can be a time of year that reminds people of memories of previous uh, losses and failures and disappointments and, and heartaches, um, even abuse and trauma uh, can seem to be magnified in people's memories at, at this time of year. Um, and, and it can be a time when, when yeah, at the same time, people are remembering and connecting to their childhood hopes and dreams and things that the sort of magical times of the holidays, um, at least as many people remember them. And um, and yet now feel like, how can people feel depressed at that time? It's sort of like you can't recapture the magic. And that in itself, in addition to other things, can be so hard. Um, and it can be a time of year in families, uh, especially with the increased use of substances and dysregulation of sort of people's usual rhythms of life that can really bring about chaos and tension and uh, conflict and people not talking to each other and um, and, and, and make people more anxious and more frightened and, and have more loneliness. And, 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 and finally, I think magnifying or complicating all of this, and this I really, I feel this sometimes, and I'm somebody who uh, really does relate both to some of the wonderful things about the holidays as well as a lot of the things I'm talking about. It's kind of uh, two parts of me, you might say. And, but it can be a time of year so taken over by what almost seems like a cancer of consumerism, um, having little to do with the religious aspects and giving rise to, to uh, sort of unrealistic dreams and expectations of what you're going to receive and what you're going to give, and a compulsively cheerful Hallmark card atmosphere that can really um, leave people who feel negative feelings alone and having no place and having no voice and having nobody to hear them and really having people just want them to be quiet in the midst of Christmas carols and, uh, and present buying and uh, so it's sort of a compulsive, compulsively joyous atmosphere that I think can bury the negative feelings, give no place for them, which can magnify them and make people feel even more alone. So, you know, what a downer for me to talk this way in the holidays. I'm the only person probably you're going to hear make it sound so awful. Um, but this is where John comes in um, because um, uh, John, um, uh, John has been uh, a, a DBT certified therapist um, in North Carolina for more than 20 years. For more, he's practiced for more than 20 years. He's more certified more recently. And, and he's been teaching skills for more than 20 years. And he's been, in the last many years, he's been um, developing and I think revising and uh, a list of antidotes that come from DBT for holiday, um, for holiday feelings. And, you know, and his um, document of these things is... Uh, 
is really helpful, and it, it even begins with something like, I don't know, <laughs> John, it almost sounds, what did I, I'm trying to remember, but it, with, uh, it, it almost sounds like it was the best of times and the worst of times, but it was more like it can be rough to get through the holidays. Um, and so he's made this list, and I was really taken by it, um, as other people have been. And so I asked him if he would join me today and talk about the holidays and, uh, and the DBT-based antidotes to the holidays. And he, you know, I want him to tell us about them. And you, you can actually download these. Uh, it's a one-pager um, with a, actually a two-pager if you include a kind of worksheet to help people make use of these. Um, and you can find that even right now if you wanted to, uh, but you can download it or see it on a computer uh, either at John's website, which is dbtfamilyskills.com, or my website, charlieswenson.com, where you'll find it on the welcoming page, uh, or at the NEABPD website, uh, borderlinepersonalitydisorder.com. You can find it in any of these places and take a look at these. Not that you need that in front of you right now to appreciate this podcast, but it might be helpful uh, for some of you. So a lot of, lot of words to introduce it because I just feel like it sort of goes a different direction than a lot of holiday conversations. So I want to ask you, John, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for agreeing Thank to you. come on. Thank you, Charlie. It's really a privilege to be part of this. I'm still making my way through all the podcasts and I just want to support this. I think it's a really great resource uh, to Helen back. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and tell me if I got anything wrong in your introduction. No, no. Okay. You got it. You got it. Good. John, Although John I don't know if I'm going to be any more, I'm not sure if I'm going to be cheering anybody up anymore, though, because I think, <laughs> I think they're... Oh no! This is a challenging time, but we'll see. We'll we'll try to have a a, a dialectic here of the heavy and the light. So. Okay, we'll we'll have our moments. Um, yeah. So could you just start by talking a little about um, where the idea came from uh, for you know assembling a list of antidotes coming from DBT and sort of what prompted that and and what you've done with that over time and how's it gone? And then sure. in a while we'll get into what some of the antidotes are. Sure. Um, you know, I think, you know, a number of us are really on a mission to get these skills out into the world. And I find it always uh, a fun challenge, actually, to see how to get these skills out in a way that people don't just find interesting, but actually use. <laughs> And I'm always looking for ways to have um, supports for people to internalize these skills, to start generalizing them into their, their daily life. And the, this holiday period, and you're right, it starts really at Thanksgiving. It's the time of people getting back together with family and old friends. And that is such a challenge for many people. Mm-hmm. And and in in many different ways. Um, So in looking at that, and also I was thinking, you got me wondering about when did I start pulling this together? And it's been about over 10 years, and it was actually after I started doing the DBT family skills training that 
Megan Moorhead got me in contact with Perry Hoffman. And Perry very generously allowed me to use the material she and Alan Frazetti had created for families. And this is a time of families. And I was looking to create something that would be useful for both my standard DBT skills groups and my family groups, that they could start putting together these skills in a way that was meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so here we have the holidays. Here we have coming together. Is there a way that we can, um, you know, now, now we would say cope ahead. Is there a way we can pull these skills together that can be useful? Yeah. So it really, uh, that does highlight, it is a, a time when families get together, for, which is sometimes the best and the worst, um, either one or the other or both. Right. And like you were saying, the unrealistic expectations are so tempting. <laughs> you know, we're, we're encouraged uh, to really look at this time of year and getting back together um, as being so uh, positive and restorative. And it can be. It really can be. And are there ways that we can do to help support that? Because the other side of it is for folks who aren't going back to be with family and friends, and they're feeling isolated and alone. And so that's kind of one of the other sides of all of these expectations. And, and you know, we know in, in working with DBT is the importance of our stories, of how we are interpreting our life's events. So, you know, here we have kind of a prompting event. It looks positive on the outside. I'm getting back together to celebrate the holidays. Right. Only, you know, we have all this story that's coming in about what that is and what it means, and that can interrupt our good ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's really, you know, it's uh, um, when you think about what happens in the week or so around Christmas time, the number of people that migrate right back to their original homes, their neighborhoods, their families, their extended families, mm-hmm. um, that has to be loaded with uh, all the memories that are packed into those families. And so they get, I do think they get reactivated and, and, and people who've had bad times are frightened getting back together. And, Absolutely. Uh, and and you do get tricked into thinking. I mean, I know my experience was. I mean, I always uh, from the time I was 18, I've lived most of my life on the on the East Coast, and my family's on the West Coast. And most years of the, all of those years, which is nearly f- like 50ish years for me, I've gone back at Christmas time to be with my family. And you know, and it, it's and it is loaded with uh, you know. You know what it's like. You go back with your family, and you think that you're a full-functioning human being. And then you arrive back home, and you have a good greeting. You have a good evening. And then you kind of lock into old stuff pretty Uh quickly, including Uh stuff like, oh, you know what's in the refrigerator because you grew up like that, and so you go do that. But also, you know what it's like to be around your older brother or your younger sister, and your parents, and you think, oh, shit, I forgot that part. Um, and it gets that yeah. going, and then you, I do think it makes it worse because your expectations have been, oh, maybe this time or maybe this way it's going to really be okay. Uh, but then emotionally it might not be okay. 
But, you know, it's one thing to know that. And, and, in the, and then what I really like about what you, somehow you came out of that recognition with the families you were working with and maybe your own life and, and thought, you know, let's, let's put these skills to use the things we're teaching about how to regulate emotions. We should be able to use these and help people get through the holidays. Exactly, exactly. That we can really use these skills and and be prepared because what's so wonderful for our our clients in having these skills is that we actually have some strategies. We have some resources. You know, I, I think I might have mentioned that there's this really interesting story by one of the pioneers of family therapy, Murray Bowen, who would advise his, his students and his clients going back home is plan for a 72-hour trip, plan to be away for three days. Because after that three days, it makes it really he, he uses the term differentiations. He's saying that, you know, it's, it's very difficult to hold your emotional autonomy, to be able to have your emotional experience and also be in that emotional stew uh, of, of family. And, you know, we each have our own versions of, of that, that challenge. And, you know, I think when I look back and my growing up and going back home for the holidays, especially after graduate school, I think um, I really was challenging in a difficult way to my family members because I was so focused on establishing my own sense of self and really I was heavy on the (laughs) self-respect and not so balanced with the give skills. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, but that's something that, you know, now I have. I can, I, I can actually intentionally plan and, and really bring into my interactions with family members holding both of those. It's like I want to have the self-respect. I also want to have the relationship. I want to mm-hmm. use my give skills and my fast skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good point. I, I, I'm thinking I've, I went through something of the same thing, and when I went away from home, Literally, the first trip I made away from home on my way to college, I changed my name on the way, and it was part of trying to establish a new self <laughs> that was wow. autonomous and separate, and I, I went from Chuck to Charlie in one second in Chicago on my way to the East Coast, and uh, and I've been Charlie ever since, and, and there's sort of tried to establish a whole self, then go back home and, uh, you know, it's really challenging. You fall back in, but... It, it highlights another thing, John, that um, that I think is woven all of all through the different antidotes that we could now get into. But I think one of the themes that I find in your antidotes is, um, even though it isn't always explicitly said, I think most people get through the holidays if they can salvage a good holiday or have a good holiday or get through a, tar- a dark holiday because of connections. Um, yes because they're with other people, even if it's one other one. I mean, maybe you go home and things aren't going well with your family, but you have a friend that you get together with. Or maybe there's one family member, or there's a cousin, or maybe it's someone back where you currently live, if you do live away from your family. And it's it's finding that balance between letting yourself be in the in the holidays, with people in the holidays, but also making sure that you... 
are connected with a kind of sustaining community, even if it's a community of, of one or two people. Um, to me, that's how people get through, and, a, and, it, and, yeah. and, and you don't, if you can do that, a lot of the skills kind of come naturally within that dyad or triad or little community. Um, so I think it's the loss of connection that really takes things to a, a worse level. Um, Absolutely. And, and you're saying something, too, that's so important, which is that um, there are families that some individuals need to separate from. And to be able to establish a family of choice, to be able to establish a circle of friends, to have that. We are social animals, and you're, I think you're right on point there. That is so essential. Yeah, some people miss that about DBT skills because they sound so individualistic and so behavioral. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're a family therapist from the beginning, so I'm sure that this has been your perspective, and, and Murray Bowen and other family systems people. But, you know, it really is. Um, I was talking to someone about this this week who said, you know how disasters happen in communities like a flood or an earthquake or a t- fire or terrible things and it and and then when you see how do people recover from that and there's a lot of research on that that highlights that those people who totally lost the fabric of their social structure their social community those are the same people who are most likely to get sick to not get well very fast, to have more psychological disorders as well as medical disorders. And the ones that kind of somehow cluster together through the tragedy with other people, whatever it takes to do that, are the ones that are more likely to sort of come back to some resiliency uh, sooner. And so I kind of think, you know, going home for the holidays or being through the holidays is not necessarily the same as a flood most of the time, though... For some people, it can be pretty disastrous. But, yeah. So, you know, let let me make sure we have some time to get into some of these. Okay. Um, And, you know, so whether anybody's looking at them or not, it's just this lovely list. It says DBT holiday antidotes. DBT top ten holiday antidotes, which I like because there probably could be another ten and another ten. Okay. but um, I wonder if you can just orient everybody to what, what, what this list is and, um, and, and start walking us through some of it. Sure. I mean, it is a list of, of kind of a, a shared inspiration of, of bringing together a number of kind of diverse skills and, and doing some of this integrating. I mean, I think this is what's also fun for people when they're first starting, well, not when they're first, but when they're beginning to get a handle on the DBT skills is that these skills are connected. You know, we teach these as modules and it can seem really distinct, but no, they are interconnected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mean, we, we start with just kind of acknowledging that the holidays can be, be rough going. And, and, and so let's look at what we can do with that. So there's a little behavioral activation here. Let's plan some small, doable, possible experiences and actually do them. Let's take some time to feel gratitude and find something meaningful. So this is the one that I personally was very moved by one of our skills group members this year who, in going through this, 
and going through the mall and asking people, okay, how is this? And, and this one fellow, he's a great guy in the 60s, computer guy, retired, and, and he just looked at us with his open eyes and, and just said, I never knew I could intentionally plan for the holidays, that I could actually be mindful, that I could actually do validating. And he was just kind of beside himself. And it was so touching to see that because he was ready. He was ready to take these and run. So, But it makes it sound like prior to him realizing he could do that, he must have felt like he was just a uh, a recipient of what he forces or you know cross currents came by um, exactly you know you might and if that's how you feel, you just kind of hope that something good happens, but you don't think of yourself as the author of something good happening, so it's quite a transformation. Yeah, I mean, and this is, right, this is just so exciting in therapy, whether an individual or group, as we see that light go on, it's like, oh, I can respond, I can have an impact. And and that's exactly what was happening to him. He thought he had to white knuckle his way through family events. He just had to get through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he came back a few weeks later and shared about this time with his son. And just how much more present they both were with each other. Again, it's like, this is just beautiful work. It's just such wonderful skills. Mm. And, you know, based on this antidote, I'm just thinking how, you know, even when you're having a difficult time in the holidays, you still, if you stop and pay attention to to what what happened in your day, there there may well have been some positive things that happened. But... Mm -hmm. But you don't necessarily, they kind of go away. They go into the black hole of, of your memory. And, um, and you don't even notice because mm-hmm. your day might be dominated by anxiety about what's going to happen at family dinner. Or maybe your mind is dominated by you're trying to get presents for your family members, but you are, you're just convinced you're going to get all the wrong presents and everybody's going to be disappointed. And but then if you mm-hmm. stop and take a look at what happened during the day, if you could just collect mm-hmm. two or three or four, okay, well, that was nice. That was a good moment. Oh, I took a walk in the woods, and it was really beautiful, um, or something like that. It's, it's not just having positive experiences, but it's actually, it seems like it's collecting them um, consciously and sort of hanging on. I wonder if that's partly what you mean by this one. Absolutely, and this is where our mindfulness comes in. You know, we're being mindful of the the positive experiences. So another of our group members years ago um, worked on practicing gratitude every morning. She found at least one thing to experience, to to report to herself, and this this gratefulness. And, And... she came back the next week, and this is someone who was, was dealing with a lot of depression, and 
it's one of she was someone whose depression was kind of written across her face, and she was hanging in there with therapy and skills group, and she came back that next week though, and she was beaming, and she was so pleased that she was experiencing this lightness, this openness. So I guess we're not all dark and gloomy here. She was experiencing this openness and this lightness that was coming with really ex- uh, letting in her gratitude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a similar thing for the end of the day when I think about uh, people I've known that have had trouble going to sleep, which is a uh-huh. lot. <laughs> and um, there's, a, there's a certain tape that my own son found enormously useful when he was younger. He was a terrible sleep. He had trouble getting to sleep. And we found this tape, and he would listen to it. And he, right into adulthood, he would listen to it sometimes. And it's called Easing Into Sleep. And it's on a, it's, you can get it through a website there. And a person uh, who is a psychologist whose name was Emmett Miller, who made uh-huh. dozens and dozens and dozens of tapes like this. But this one was about sleep. And, one, and, I, and I would listen to it at night, too, and my son did. And, um, and the, one of the most important things about it, I think, was that you lie there and he, in a soothing voice, he talks through and he has, he has you kind of like establish a relationship with the day that you just had. And part of that is you think back in the day and you uh, are grateful for anything good that happened. And you take note of that. And you also say goodbye to the day, including all the things that might have been disappointments or hurts during the day. And so you're kind of departing from the day and trying to remember the parts that stay with you that, are, that were positive. And, and then that, that helps you put closure on the day if you can just do that. Uh, and and his, his voice actually helps with that. But, yeah. but I think this, this antidote which I think a few people I've worked with might not ever be able to do this. And not all of these are easy to do. I think yes. this sounds easy when you first say it, but mm-hmm. actually to ask somebody to come up with a positive thing they could be mindful of at, during a certain period of time. And I'm sure, as you know, too, there's sometimes yes. you, can't, you just can't find anything for now. So yes. thank God there's more than one antidote. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Now, move on to the next one. I, I, that's a huge one. Okay, should I just read the next one? Yeah, yeah, and then say whatever about it that you think um, about how people use this. Okay. So, all things in moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, not what we're seeing on commercials, but we'll practice it. Um, the please skills to lessen your emotional vulnerability. Uh, which only gets more intense when negative emotion mind meets alcohol, non-mindful eating, and as, as someone called my attention to, both under control and over control, and other old unwise attempts to deal with stress. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, one thing I've noticed when we go through this in skills group, and part of what we might do is we kind of go around the room, have each people, each person read one, and if it affects them and kind of see who is this relevant for. A lot of people find this one really relevant, that this is an issue. And it surprises me sometimes because I wasn't expecting some folks to do that. So this is kind of an 
interesting assessment <laughs> kind of antidote too. And and another thing just to be to be mindful of of the ways in which um, you know the the alcohol and the food, especially at this time of the year, can really really complicate. Um, it can increase the problem behaviors on the chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that starting at about Thanksgiving, um, let's say someone has a reasonable routine going in their life, maybe not perfect, but they're getting some exercise and they're eating somewhat reasonably and everything, and, and they're getting some sleep. And then Thanksgiving hits, and it's sort of like, Thanksgiving is sort of like, go pig out, have a huge amount of food, maybe drink more than usual, mm-hmm. um, throw off your eating, throw off your exercise, which then will throw off your sleep, mm-hmm. which then will make you sick, and then you take, you know, in the evening you feel crummy, so you drink a little more. And, mm-hmm. you know, by the time you get to New Year's Eve, you've really blown it. I mean, <laughs> physiologically, your, your whatever is your usual rhythms at, at their best, it's really mm-hmm. hard to maintain them. Or just in most places around, whether you work or not, um, there's like food everywhere. Yeah. I don't know if that's true yeah. in North Carolina, but, but where I live, oh, yeah. you, you walk into a bank and there's Christmas cookies right in front of you that are delicious. Um, yeah. And eggnog here and there. And there's all this great stuff. Um, handy. So it's really hard. I think you almost have to, this antidote, I think, does require a kind of uh, really difficult attention to, you know what, I'm going to try to hang in there and I'm going to do my, whatever's my daily walk or whatever I do mm-hmm. for exercise. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. God damn it. I'm going to stick to that. And if you can stick to one of those things, maybe you can stick to two things. Um, yeah. I think it's really hard, and I don't know how you how you teach this and how it goes over in your in a group because these are such long term habits. But I do think they get out of whack uh, as you go into the holidays, and the holidays might go better if you could just maintain your body um, the way it was. You know, I think this one is very validating for in a skills group setting for people to see how relevant this one is, how challenging this one is for lots of people. So it's validating to know that, yeah, this is a difficult context. I mean, think about vulnerability factors. Just being in an old environment, maybe a familiar environment, being with family, being in a, a, or with friends where there's old behavior patterns perhaps established, mm-hmm. and how are you going to hold your own again? How are you going to... Uh, not get emotionally dysregulated? How are you not going to get thrown off in others' self-destructive behaviors? So I think appreciating there's a context here. We're more vulnerable, so we really want to give ourselves extra support and and get our cope-ahead plan solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably does validate people just to, just to let people uh, exchange their experiences of this and and i think that when you do lose in a way if you lose your usual rhythms or usually how you eat or sleep or manage these things i think that you get past a certain point and i don't know what it is john but there's i think there's a way in which your identity changes for that like 
Mm-hmm. Like you know who you are up to a point, but you know part yeah. of who you know you are is your body. Mm-hmm. And and then when your body gets out of whack with these various different rhythms mm-hmm. and appetites, um, mm-hmm. you know you start to feel like who am I? I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. And then you're yeah. then you're like a different person. You can become more like uh, you know you you get redefined as a holiday animal. Um, and maybe so we get pulled into old family roles. You what? And and it's possible we could get pulled into old family or friend roles. Oh right. That are also limiting, and we're no longer in our wise mind. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're in a different mind state. Mhm. Mhm. Yes, it's true. It's amazing. All these things do go together. They do go. Now the next one. I'll read the next one. Um, The holidays are a great time to use the contributing skill to distract and interrupt increasing depression or anxiety by visiting or helping those in need, perhaps as close as a next door uh, neighbor. And I do think that's an antidote for um, when I was thinking about that one, it seems like, you know, we we get overcome with our own misery and our own perspective mm-hmm. and our mm-hmm. own reference to self. And th- this isn't pathology. It's like normal. We get caught in a bubble, I think, mm-hmm. of, oh, mm-hmm. my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, look at how this is going. And, 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 it, and, and one of the things you can deliberately do, even if you don't fully feel like it, is say, you know what, I'm going to go do something for someone. And, of course, depending on your circumstances, that might mean stopping in the street and giving somebody a cup of coffee uh, who's been standing there, you know, panhandling uh, mm-hmm. or money or having a conversation with somebody who really looks down uh, mm-hmm. or doing something more or, or surprising somebody with something or, or going to do more formal volunteering. But any of those things, they really do. I have a, I have a person right now I work with who it wasn't just for the holidays, but She's been in a very depressed state, and it and depression has a way of making you very self preoccupied, mm-hmm. and uh, even if that isn't your basic, per, you know, way you have been before, and um, so I got her to agree to go to our a local food pantry, a survival center, it's called, and start giving out, uh, helping organize food, and then give out food to people who need food, and. She was stunned how many people actually don't have food and that she was handing. And it was, made her very sad, but it also got her out of her own head. And I think it gave her a purpose that she's been missing for a little bit, and I'm hoping it'll grow. Um, yes. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, we know that when we get more emotionally dysregulated, you're heading up in the red zone, whether it's depression or anxiety in particular, our Tension is contracting. It's narrowing. And this is a deliberate action step to shift that narrowing attention that's so self-absorbed out of our pain for real reason. But we're deliberately shifting that. We're expanding this to include another human being and experience that, again, that social benefit of, of doing, contributing, of showing kindness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that already built into your life, the way your life is structured, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. finding something to do. 
Yeah. And at first I find people can't think of anything. And then you can look in newspapers and see things you could volunteer doing. But really, mm-hmm. I think it helps to think these are not necessarily big things like going to a hospital and volunteering. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be that, you know, depending where you live, I don't know, you, you probably don't get as much of this as we do up here, but it, it's shoveling the walk of your neighbor after a snowstorm. Yes. Um, yes. Anything like that, it just gets your head elsewhere, and it's, it's, it's helpful. And, I, and mm-hmm. I like that in every one of these so far, you keep using the word deliberate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Because there's something about discovering that you can deliberately do things. Yeah. rather than just be caught in the tide uh, of depression or sadness or, or, or whatever it is that you're going through in the holidays. At least to some degree you have uh, some deliberate capacity. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking of one of my clients who is tends towards depression and and, you know, he left with the assignment that he was willing to do which was to say hello once a day to somebody he doesn't know. Oh, wow. and, and it's just that extending. And it can be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's little things like that when you start to realize that it, um, we live in our own little bubbles when we don't do any of those things. Now look, your next one, and actually let me ask you this, John. Look across yeah. them and, and pick anyone you want to tell us about because I, we've done three out of ten and it's 15 minutes left, so I know we're not going to get to all of them. People can look at all of them, but I wonder if you want to pick one and talk a bit about it. Um, and I know some people are looking at these, um, some are not. Um, right. So let me, I, I will say, um, just I won't read through number seven, I'll briefly say, but this has to do with self-soothing. And so I have um, a recent UNC graduate who has high-functioning autism. And, and, you know, I was going through the, all the antidotes with him, and, and he really liked this one. And what he liked about it is that it's mood-regulating uh, for him to be able to listen to Christmas music and he is doing that. And, and I look at this self-soothing as um, applying our interpersonal give skills to ourselves. I really like looking at using give for ourselves. And I talk with my clients, how can you do give with yourself? How can you be gentle with yourself? How can you show yourself a genuine interest? How can you validate yourself? How can you be a little easier with yourself? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I would just mention that with the self-soothing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a deliberate application of compassion to yourself then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that way. You know, I find one of those that you listed in there was uh, to look at uh, to access to music or uh, symbolic objects or yes. photos. And, um, and I find that the photo one is interesting because you can start looking at photos and it can be really pleasant. And it can get your mind occupied with, oh, look at that. Oh, look at when I was with so-and-so. And, and, and it can turn on you in a second, though, if you're kind of been upset. Uh, because you can look and it can bring back not only nostalgia or pleasant feelings, but it can bring mm-hmm. back. You have to kind of watch that one. Because mm-hmm. can, you can really get immersed in looking at photos and getting very depressed, um, depending on what the history was. 
Um, right. So, you know, we're always getting to work with kind of doing our own exposure therapy here, you know, and working with being able to experience these difficult emotions and, and again, not contract, um, mm-hmm. be able to see that we can still be uh, competent in this relationship situation. So mm-hmm. we're, we're always paying attention to that. And, and I guess with that is the, the that I will mention is the number six one is paying attention to our emotions and coming and going and, and when they can really um, become uh, intense and move us into sometimes we call the red zone of emotion, uh, getting emotionally dysregulated. And, and this uh, antidote is very important, I think, of being mindful of our emotions, that this is a time of season where we're going to have emotions. Nothing wrong with that. But we do want to pay attention to when our emotions get so intense that they make us more vulnerable to acting on problem behaviors and, and doing what uh, is not so helpful for us and, and looking at how can we note that? Where can we identify that and step back, almost like the stop skills here, right? Step back and remember our goals and getting whatever support we need. So um, I think that one's really important here with the holidays. Again, it's validating. We're all going to have emotions. They're going to be intense. And we've got some skills that we can use to work with them. You know, and that one about the emotions coming and going, and let's say there's probably 100 family situations we could think of um, and others listening could think of hundreds more of where something does trigger negative emotions um, some event with a family member or something even at dinner or something just when you're getting back together or, or with a friend. And so it can re- really get you going and make you very upset and rejected or hurt or sad or angry and stuff. And I think that what I like about this one is really telling people you can deliberately have that emotion. You can mm-hmm. deliberately allow that emotion to be there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let it be there and let it have its day in court, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and yet you can protect that emotion. I liked at one point you wrote in here, like, try taking a walk to get a working distance from the situation. So you can, mm-hmm. uh, one, one client of mine recently said, look, I just need three things to get through these episodes. Uh, what are the three things? Because I was trying lots of other things. He said, I need time and I need space and I need validation. I said, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, that's... He needs space. He said, don't rush me. No, don't give me something else to do. I need time. And I need space. I need people not to crowd me. I need, you know, so this idea of, you know, let's say you're in the middle of a, of a little flow of events in the holidays with family or friends or even fellow workers if you're at a party at work or something, and something comes up and you just feel overtaken by an emotion. You know, you can take care of that by letting it be rather than having to fight it back take a walk, you know, say, hey, guys, I'm going out for a half-hour walk. I'll be back. And just let yourself have it. Um, I've found that many times myself to be helpful, and then then I'm closer to being uh, my my wiser self when I'm back with people, and I'm more likely to keep, you know, to to keep certain things to myself and not have to say them. Um, Yes. 
So I think that, that that one I like a lot, and that's what actually my next podcast will be something about mindfulness of emotions. And, mm-hmm. and the last thing you said about that one was also, if possible, grab a trusted loved one to go with you. And that, right. I think, again, speaks to stay connected uh, with, you know, whatever are your positive connections. You know, and, and again, if you don't deliberately do those things, you might not realize you could have done it, you know. Um, that's, that's another one that well, I do a lot of couple therapy, and I prescribe. I don't do a lot of prescribing, but I do some. And one is when people are going back to their um, families or old group of friends, and they're going to be there for a while, I ask them if they are willing to step out and take at least one walk a day together outside, out of the family stew, out of that environment, away from the expectations of their friends, and just step out and take some time to get some distance, get some perspective, and check in with each other. It's amazing what it does. I think we don't we probably don't even understand all it does for us, but it does remind us of who we are in our better selves and and uh by the way, somebody who was looking forward to listening to this and she might be listening now sent me an email today because uh, she looked at your list mm-hmm. and she said, "You know another thing that she would add there that Great. she finds really helpful is humor." Um, that that she said it's really one of the most helpful things is like finding there's so many humorous things about the holidays. It's so I mean, as Americans, the way we do presents, for instance, at Christmas, is just ridiculous. Um, many families. I mean, mine was mine got more and more ridiculous, and then then you try to get everyone when you're adults to agree. You know, let's not keep giving each other so many presents. This is childish and crazy, and it's costly, and we don't need to do this to be together and love each other. And so, but then there'll be one family member that says, no, 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 I, then it won't be Christmas anymore. And, and, and then you get in a fight about, about that. And um, uh, so it's really um, finding the humor in the craziness that we're caught up in with presents. And I'm sure there's a million cartoons. There's probably books of cartoons about holiday season that, that might be helpful. I have like books of cartoons about doctors in my office and you know, doctors can be quite ridiculous and so can the holidays. Um, there was one guy at a Thanksgiving at an inpatient unit. I may have told this once. I never know by now, John, because the podcast has been well over a year, what, what I've already mm-hmm. said in a podcast or not. So I just mm-hmm. have to allow myself to be redundant if I did. Yes. Um, but there was there was a, a very, very miserable Thanksgiving day when I was running a community meeting and an inpatient psychiatric ward. And uh, so there's like 20, 25 people sitting around very glum, like, look at us. We're all stuck in the hospital for the holidays, for Thanksgiving. We're not with our families. And it's, oh, it's just, I just thought, what are we going to do? You know, how, this is really, you know, and if you say, well, you could try this and try this, it just was you were up against 25 depressed people. And this guy, this fellow psychiatrist on the program sat there and, and he took it in. He had, a, he had a way of being able to be a little distant and he said, and be, and be both very smart and very funny. He says, uh, yeah, it is horrible, but you know what, everybody? Think about the turkey. 
<laughs> you know, and everybody cracked up. It was like the perfect oh. delivery of the perfect yeah. joke at the perfect moment. And everybody cracked up, and it totally changed. And people started cracking jokes. And I couldn't believe it. I've never seen such a dramatic turnaround. So we should we should include somewhere in here, it isn't written yeah. in here, but it sort of goes along with the rest of this, that you should do, do things that are funny and, and look at things that are funny and, and laugh at yourselves. Um, well, can I want your friend, I love that, I want your friend to help me do the next revision. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> but, oh, he'd be great. He'd be great to do it, actually. His, his name is Duncan Wright. I think, I think he's in Pennsylvania at this point. I'm not sure. But he used to work with me on an inpatient program in New York. Well, that's it. Let's pick I mean, another one. We have four more minutes. And well, there's so I, I'd like five to hear, left here. So you've got to and I'd like, I know. I'd like to hear some of, of your favorite or what you would like to do. Because this one actually, and speaking of the humor, it's like this is the one I'm working on this season. Because we were on my team, people were saying, what skill are you going to use over the – Holidays and I picked. John? Hello, can you hear me? Oh, I wasn't able to hear you. I I think my phone got a little disconnected. I hear okay. you now, so I I missed I missed whatever you must have just said. Oh, um, I I I was just saying that my team got together. We were saying, okay, what skills are we each going to use? And and this is the one that I picked, um, number six. But it's really about being mindful of emotion, mind, and I experience it this way. I can get grouchy. So I am being mindful of Grinch mind. Grinch. And so I'm, yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice that. And, and hopefully I can do it with a little self-humor self in, in that. So. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. So I was also curious, like, which of these you thought you would want to use over the coming holidays? Well, I, I always use the last one that you listed, or actually called it number one antidote, mindfully breathe. I, I, people who've listened mm -hmm. to these podcasts probably know I do a lot of if I'm having strong feelings that are negative feelings or positive, but I'll go, if I'm, if I'm really hurt, I might say, breathing in, I feel hurt. Breathing out, mm -hmm. I feel hurt. And mm -hmm. I'll keep doing that until it sort of softens. You know, breathing in, I'm furious at so-and-so. Breathing out, I'm angry at so-and-so. Breathing in, I notice that I continue to be angry. Breathing out, I'm still angry. And if I do that for a while, I don't know what it is. It's kind of like magic. It's sort of like the way you, if you shine the sun on a, on a puddle, it mm -hmm. gradually dries up. So awesome. I, I use a lot of mindful, just breathing, and, and it's a simple practice. Um, and so I like that one a lot, and uh, uh, I liked the way you talked in one, number four here, cultivate a mindful gap mm -hmm. in a tense, reactive situation. A lot of the things we're talking about in some families, you get a lot of tense situations, a lot of reactive situations, and you mm -hmm. feel controlled by your emotion and by the other person. So if you can somehow like create a little insulation, a little gap, like like spark plugs have a gap within them, and so yeah. that so that you don't have to react, you've mm -hmm. got some way you can definitively not react, like in a tense situation that where there's no good way to react, um, mm -hmm. and that sometimes does require a little walk or just a going to the kitchen or <clears throat> or just sort of like 
stepping out for a little bit, but sometimes you can do it right there, just sort of like mm-hmm. notice, or you can just say breathing in, uh, that was very painful to hear before you start reacting because your reactive mind is probably going to do something um, that isn't as uh, clever or wise or balanced as, as you could get if you just have a little gap. So I loved that. I really loved these. And I want to say we're just right in the final minute, John. Um, mm-hmm. We just began to explore these. And, and my, my perspective on skills is different than it was when I started because when I started, I was a psychoanalyst. And that had been my training. And then I got into skills, and I, I thought, oh, skills are just these little things you do. Mm-hmm. And by now, with all the experience in DBT, I just feel like sometimes skills are really the way to get to very deep experiences and very deep changes in yourself. And they don't have to be different than what you would find in a different type of therapy, but sometimes they're the way in, and they give you something concrete, deliberate to do under difficult circumstances. So I love that you did this. It's really why I contacted you about this when I saw them on the DBT listserv. I just thought, wow, these are perfect. Let me restate that. Of course they're not perfect, but (laughs) I don't want to create more trouble by calling something perfect. Um, But they're really good, and, and, and they do require thought, like every one of these 10. And now we have an 11th the uh, humor one um but yeah thank you so much for doing them and i really encourage anyone who listens to uh take a look at these and even if the holidays are passed by the time you listen to this there's these are these are useful anytime that there's a sort of a heightened stress thank you i i really appreciate that the slogan on the dbt uh, linen board of certification site that talks about DBT as effective compassion. And I think that's the work we're doing. And I think that's the work we're doing on ourselves is how do we do that? And, and how do we do that? Our skills, there is a how, and uh, I'm glad and hopeful that this kind of compilation can be encouraging for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. It's great to talk to you, John, and I'd be nice to do something together again, whether it's this kind of format or somewhere else. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, good. Okay, take care and have a great holiday. Yes, we'll have a skillful holiday. (laughs) Have a skillful holiday, yes. All right, take good care. Bye. Okay, bye. (laughs)